It's that time, the sports talker. Here's TJ Walker. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a Wednesday hump day edition of the Sports Talker here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. Lots to talk about today. What a night it was if you were a Kentucky basketball player, John Calipari, part of the staff, or a fan. Uh, One of the better performances I've seen in November since I've been following, watching, uh, obsessing over college basketball. Uh, Just a beat down. We talked about the the game yesterday. We previewed, previewed it yesterday. And I don't think any of the scenarios we talked about Kentucky cruising to a 32-point blowout win over Kansas. And uh, I've covered a lot of U.K. games. I've been to a lot of U.K. games before I started working for Rivals. I've seen U.K. play top five teams, top ten teams, and I've seen them blow out terrible teams. But I've never seen them dominate a quality opponent like they did last night with Kansas. I, I did think that Kentucky would, would win. I thought Kentucky would pull away. But I, did, I didn't think that they would hold uh, the Jayhawks, a top-five team. And, and maybe Kansas is a little overrated, but I don't think anybody would say uh, that, uh, that's a top-ten team. That Whether or not they're top-five, you can make an argument here or there for. But that is a, a top-ten team that has a ton of NBA players on their team. And Kentucky held them to just 11 made field goals on the night. 11. 12 second half points. And I don't want to compare Kentucky and Buffalo, and there's going to be a lot of season left to go, but Kentucky holds Kansas to 12 points in the second half. They hold Buffalo to 14 points. I think you're seeing, again, I hate talking about the platoons. It's stupid, it's silly. But there might be something going on there where they are just wearing teams down, wearing teams out to the point where they can't even score in the second half. 12 and 14 points in the second half the last two games. I would need to look it up and look at stats, but that's got to be top five low, lowest in a half since John Calipari has been the coach at Kentucky, and they happen in back-to-back games. Uh, we're going to keep things in check. I know right now I it's... It, it, it's just kind of an unbelievable performance. You know, I'm not I'm not ready to say Kentucky's going to go 40 and 0 and win the national championship because they will lose somewhere along the line. But it's tough not to be excited about what you saw last night if you're a Kentucky fan, unless uh, if you're a Kentucky fan, then you have to be absolutely thrilled. If you're a Kansas fan or Bill Self. Uh, maybe not as as much. This is how Bill Self opened up his press conference yesterday after Kentucky's win. I was hoping that was vodka, but no, it's just water. And that was him taking a sip right when he sat down on water, hoping it was vodka. He needed a drink after that, uh, no doubt about it. And I'm sure plenty of Kentucky fans uh, had celebratory drinks after the game. In Indianapolis, the Champions Classic. We're going to talk about that game. What went right for Kentucky? What this means for the rest of the year? Uh, is Kentucky 
should you be used to blowout wins uh, against quality opponents? Uh, or what kind of team also is going to be one that will be able to uh, compete with Kentucky? Because Kansas isn't. And the thing about that game last night is that was one of the better front courts in the country. And I'm not talking about Kentucky's. I, I truly believe that they're the best. But Kansas, we talked about on the show yesterday, no team's going to be able to beat Kentucky in the front court, but they had the pieces to possibly neutralize UK's front court to, to even it out. Cliff Alexander, Perry Ellis, didn't happen. The stat came from Eric Crawford, and this stat kind of tells you everything. Kentucky's domination in the paint and, and how they were able to just control the game was unlike anything I've ever seen. Kansas was 3 of 21. Again, this coming from Eric Crawford. When Kansas was, had a dunk layup within you know 3 to 4 feet of the basket. 3 of 21. It's just un. Believable to be that bad around the rim, but you have to give. It's not like Kansas can't hit dunks or layups. You have to give all that credit to Kentucky. Nobody would have ever thought that the Kentucky would have had as many blocked shots, eleven, as Kansas made field goals. And here's the thing that I was most impressed with: not that not UK's interior domination, because you know we we knew and we we know how good Kentucky will be down low and all the shot blockers they have, whether it's Willie Colley Stein, Marcus Lee, Carl Anthony Towns, I'd been saying all along is an underrated shot blocker. You know, we know how good they are going to be in the interior, but we needed, we needed to see Kentucky's guards defend that well on the perimeter, anywhere on the court. And they did that. Andrew and Aaron Harrison were not constantly beat off the dribble like they were against Buffalo. They they were locked in defensively. They made things very, very tough on Wayne Selden, the Ukrainian 17-year-old. Talked about this on the show yesterday. I thought it was uh, funny that Kelly Oubre and Cliff Alexander both started after playing very limited role in the Kansas in Kansas' season opener. That kind of makes me think, like I said yesterday, that Bill Self was trying to not give Kentucky as much to prepare for, not that it mattered then, and it, not, it probably wouldn't have mattered, had things maybe played out a little better for Kansas. Um, a rough game. It, it, my buddy Stove on, on the show yesterday was giving me a lot of grief because he, because I said that Cliff Alexander in high school, I was more impressed with him than Julia Locafor. And take nothing away from Julia Locafor's game. Uh, he looked great yesterday. Uh, looks like one of the better players in the country, no doubt about that. But you can't, you can't say that uh, Cliff Alexander looked bad. I mean, he was the only maybe bright spot about Kansas yesterday. Uh, had a rough night shooting. Who didn't? But he was able to get the line 
and had eight points, eight rebounds. So just a two rebounds shy and a basket away from a double double, which would have been uh, great for Kansas to uh, be able to have a player that did that. He was Kansas's leading rebounder. So on a night that nothing was going well, I still think Cliff Alexander is a hell of a basketball player and extremely talented and again, big and physical, but just nothing was going his way or any Kansas player's way last night. It's unbelievable to me that Kentucky held Kansas no play no Kansas player was in double digits and you know they only scored 40 points so that's not quite as hard to believe but even more surprising than that only two Kentucky players were in double digits in a 32 point win where they scored 72 points thirty two point win. Two Kentucky players double digits, and it's not like those double digits were 24 and 23. It was 11 and 10 from Dakari Johnson. And the Harrisons. Actually, I don't I don't know if it was Andrew or Aaron Harrison that had 11. The stat sheet I'm looking at only has the first initial, uh, which isn't great, but I'll find that out momentarily. The other Harrison had... Eight points. That's what I get for prepping. Uh, anyways, though, that that's surprising for me. That shows that these, this team concept is, is working for Kentucky. And, again, we talked about on the show yesterday how Kentucky should win a game like this. They're the more experienced team. They're the team that has played in big games like this, and they look like it. How often does that actually happen where we talk about something and say that it should happen, it should look like this, it should go this way, and it actually goes that way? But that that Kentucky was ready for that big game atmosphere. They were ready for the environment. They came in focused, ready to go to work, and just punched Kansas in the mouth right off the bat. And Kansas was able to kind of hang around in the first half, make it a 10-point game at halftime. But you could tell that it just wasn't going to be a fight. It wasn't going to be an effort that they were going to be able to sustain for another 20 minutes. And Kentucky just pounced. It was Andrew Harrison with 10 points, Aaron with 8. Just a a very balanced scoring effort from Kentucky. 12 guys scored. They were able to knock down outside shots, a collection of guys. Devin Booker hit a three. Derek Willis hit a three. He only played four minutes. But Aaron and Andrew were able to hit. So you start to wonder. I think it might be safe to say that three-point shooting won't be a a major issue for Kentucky. Again, like we've said plenty of times, they're not going to be a great three-point shooting team, but they're going to – they're going to be able to knock down threes. It's not going to be a problem like it was in 2010. You've got size, you've got depth, you've got the best interior defense that I think I've ever seen from a college basketball team. And then, again, you see the Harrison twins and you see the other guards lock in on the perimeter. It's just a a dominating defensive effort. So we can talk about how dominant UK was and how great a performance it was, but let's everybody's doing that. So let's look at – and we already did that for the first 10 minutes of the show. Let's look at why Kentucky fans shouldn't be super excited. 
let's try to play devil's advocate and find some reasons that, hey, Kentucky fans need to come back down to earth a little bit. You can't take too much away from one game. Yates, do you want to go first? No, you can go ahead. It's your show. I know, but as a Louisville fan, I figured that you would probably – you were you might have been watching the game or some of the game or maybe you didn't watch any of it, but you might have been thinking to yourself, well, this won't work, blah, blah, blah. Nothing like that? Um, I mean, I would never claim to be the best X and O's analyst uh, out there. So, I, I mean, it, everything in the second half they did seemed to work. And is pretty scary if you're a team that's going to have to face them this year. So I mean, I I don't know that I could pick out any one weakness and say that that's exploitable. Yeah. Well. Okay. So you, you're it almost sounds like you're waving the white flag. Uh no. I mean I'm not waving the white flag. I don't. I mean I don't know that Kansas is as good as their ranking. I mean it's we're what two three games into the season, so there's still time to tell what you know what teams are going to be good and how good and it, it's very early so a lot of teams have a lot of things to work out uh, so I, I'm by no means waving the white flag I think that Louisville will have a chance to beat them in December uh, but it will definitely be a, a tall task well before I play devil's advocate I, I will say that I don't see Kentucky losing a game before the Louisville game and if they are if they were I, I think that would easily be the most likely loss on Kentucky's schedule. At Florida will be tough. I think it's always a tough place to play, and there's going to be some tough road SEC games, although the SEC is just off to an awful start this season. And UCLA could be tricky, and a game will be right before Kentucky players go home for Christmas break. That You know, you always got to wonder about mentally where they're at for games like that. And uh, UNC is a good team. Texas is a really good team. They're blowing everybody out. But I just don't see Kentucky losing at home, losing on a neutral site. Uh, but the Louisville game on the road, I think, will easily be their toughest game of the year. But we can talk more about that as that game gets closer. Uh, that being said, let's let's look at some negatives. Kansas shot three of fifteen from deep, and I, I think Kentucky. I think Kansas is a better three point shooting team than that. Uh, they they settled for a lot of threes, but again, when you're not going to get anything inside, what else are you going to do? I do think they're a better three-point shooting team than that. And you're going – Kentucky's going to play some teams this year that are going to get really hot from outside. And uh, it's going to be really, for some teams, the only way that you're going to be able to c- stay competitive with Kentucky and play against Kentucky is to be able to knock down threes. Uh, Kansas couldn't do it. Buffalo couldn't sustain it. Uh, Grand Canyon, blah, blah. But you're going to have some teams that are going to hit better from outside. And while Kentucky's perimeter defense was better yesterday, Kansas did have some open looks here and there from deep. They just weren't hitting. They weren't hitting anything. I think mentally Kansas had checked out early in that second half just knowing that nothing was working, and it it got to them. So Kentucky was a bit fortunate Kansas had such an off-shooting night, and that's part of the reason why you see a 32-point win. Another issue, again, playing devil's advocate here because I spent the first 12 minutes just praising, and Kentucky deserves to be praised for that performance. So, again, you know, just just kind of leveling out here a little bit. 
while Kentucky was super balanced, and I think that's great, having 12 players score and only two guys in double figures and just over double figures, uh, just everybody getting involved in the offense, Kentucky's going to need a guy to be able to have takeover ability. And you're not going to ha- you're not going to see that in a 32 point game, I understand that. But when are you going to see it? And if you are going to see it in a close game, is that going to be too late for Kentucky to figure out we talked about identity yesterday, but even more so than that, who's going to be the guy? And obviously the clear choice would be Aaron Harrison because he hit the big shots last year. You're going to give him the ball in close situations. But You know, you kind of want to see somebody take over in a stretch. It doesn't have to be a close game for somebody to take over. Or it could be a close game with, you know, 12, 15 minutes to go in the half and somebody take over and put the game away. We still don't know who that is. And again, if you're going to have to wait till it gets down to crunch time, that's going to be problematic for this Kentucky team. So we still don't know who that is. Again, that you you can't just say, well, Kansas did a good job of not letting one guy take over. No, Kansas, Kansas just got beat in every asset of that game. And, And it, they weren't close. Kentucky could do really whatever they wanted. Everybody got involved. But somewhere down the road, again, Kentucky's going to need a guy to take over. The good news about Kentucky having a lot of depth is you're allowed to get in foul trouble. Uh, Kentucky had several guys pick up three fouls yesterday. Again, you didn't really have to worry about it because they were up so much. They were platooning this and that. Uh, but something to keep an eye on. Kansas shot 27 free throws. Buffalo shot 21. So Kentucky's allowing their opponents to get to the line a lot. And when you're playing that aggressive defensively, that's going to happen. Also, when you're up big, you, you know the other team will get some calls here and there that maybe they, they wouldn't normally get. So Kentucky will need to stop sending teams to the line. But really, that's all I've got. I, I don't know if I'm missing anything else. But playing devil's advocate, there's still some things Kentucky obviously needs to work on. This is far from a, fr- a finished product. But again, it, it's tough not to be, if you're a Kentucky fan, not be uh, ecstatic with last night's game. This is a, a Kansas team that has high expectations. Again, a lot of NBA players coming off a very Overall, it had to be a disappointing year for Kansas last year to to have the season that they did and have Joel Embiid and Andrew Wiggins and to still finish with a second-round tournament loss. So you knew they were hungry. You knew that they were hungry to be back in a big game and to be able to show the country that this Kansas team can be as good as last year and this and that. Uh, but, uh, I mean, just didn't even have a chance to get momentum in that game because Kentucky just did everything they could to put that game away as soon as possible. And Kansas hung around a little bit in the first half, but again, just not nearly enough fight in the second half and and a victory that leaves you wondering just how great this Kentucky team can be. So they're going to have some cupcake games this weekend. Kentucky will, but really from with the exception of this weekend, Kentucky's going to be playing a quality opponent every week for at least one a week until SEC play. 
So you'll you'll play some cupcakes this week, and then you're gonna play Providence. Providence isn't Providence is okay. Then you get Texas. Texas is really good. I I, I think Texas. I might go as far as saying Texas is better than Kansas. Last night's performance uh, makes me feel a little bit better about it. Texas doesn't hasn't played a great team yet, uh, but they're so experienced and it, they're they're deep. They're not Kentucky deep, but they, you know they've got players. Miles Turner again, a, a fantastic freshman, comes off the bench for them. I don't know how long that will last, and I don't get why coaches do that. I don't get why Bill Self did that for the first game. Obviously, he had both his star freshmen starting, but you're going to get Texas. Eight days later, you get UNC. A week later, you get UCLA. A week later, you get Louisville. So uh, we'll learn more about Kentucky as the season goes on and when they're constantly playing good opponents. But like I, like I said to Yates earlier in the show, I, I don't see a scenario where they lose any of those games despite those teams being good. And UNC is really good too. Louisville's really good. Uh, I don't see them losing a game up until that Louisville game. And maybe they lose that one. That'll be a tough road environment and, and UK's first true game on the road, which is uh, a bit bizarre. Like, Kentucky generally doesn't do that, but it will be. So that'll be also something to keep an eye on, but we're still over a month away from that game. We're going to head to our first commercial break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk a little more college basketball. We'll talk Duke and Michigan State and uh, you know, put a bow on this Kentucky-Kansas game and some other scores across the country. And also, Yates, it's Wednesday. You know what that means. Ask Yates. Your favorite day of the week. So we'll, we'll we'll get some Ask Yates Wednesday questions into the show. So stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We will be right back. I feel the love and I feel it burn down this river every turn. Hope is off for letter word. Make that money. Watch it burn. Oh, but I'm not that old young. But I'm not that old. You're listening to the Sports Talker with TJ Walker on 1450 The Sports Buzz. All right, a lot to talk about coming back here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. A few things happened over, well, things didn't really happen, but reading, getting to some of the listeners. Uh, Stove points out in the G chat that. I had said can at the beginning of the season that Kansas was better than Duke, and he uh, said that they weren't, and we talked about it on the air. I don't necessarily remember that discussion, but again, I had do a radio show for an hour, five days a week. I don't remember a lot of the things I say, and you have to have a short memory to be a, a radio host and a journalist like I am. Uh, probably not a good thing. You probably actually want a longer memory, but uh, – and now that he brought it up, I, I do remember that conversation a little bit. Uh, Duke is better than Kansas. I was wrong about that. Uh, but here's the thing. I, I, I think it's, you know, it's not uh, Duke is better. I will agree to that. But I, I don't think just because last night's performance, I would say Duke is significantly better. They are better. But I wouldn't say it's, you know, Duke should be the number two team in the country and Kansas should be number 16. I don't think the gap is that far. And I, I still don't know if I'd put Duke as the number two team in the country. I'm not ready to move them past Wisconsin and Arizona because they beat because they beat uh, a 
mediocre Michigan State team. But I would have Duke fourth, or you, you can put them two or three, and that would be okay. I just I wouldn't. So I'd put Duke fourth, and I'd probably put Kansas eight or nine. So I don't think the gap is that far apart. But I was wrong about that. And the reason why I, Duke is better is I did not expect Justice Winslow for Duke to be as good as he's been. I mean, he has been awesome. And I remember him as a recruit. I thought he could be a guy that would be a great role player on a team. But he might even be more than a role player. I mean, he's taking over games. He's doing a little bit of everything. He's great. Uh, he, he, I think, is Duke's second best player outside of Julio Locafor. He, Winslow finished with 15 points, six rebounds, three assists, a block. Played 36 minutes. That was the most for Duke. So he'll be a star. Uh, speaking of that Duke-Michigan State game, again, Michigan State's going to just have an up-and-down year. We'll compete for the Big Ten and you know, probably be your four or five seed in the tournament. Short bench. Uh, that's it, it might be a frustrating year for Spartan fans, but my biggest takeaway from that Duke game, fans, uh, college basketball fans across the nation are going to hate Tyus Jones. And I, just wait, he's going to be the most hate, hated player on maybe the most hated program. And you got a big dose of why last night because flop after flop after flop, three-point flops, those are even the worst kind of flops. He finished with 17 points on four of five shooting, went to the free throw line seven times, only four assists. This was the the same stuff I saw out of him in AAU and in high school. And I I think he's a great player. Uh, But, man, he sells a lot, a lot of calls. He plays really fast, and he is really quick, and he can get where he wants on the court. But if there's any contact, just because he's such a smaller guy, has such a smaller frame, he falls and flails his arms and acts like he's getting murdered. This will be obnoxious as the year goes on. So keep an eye on that. Uh, he's going to be the it's, – it's really interesting to see how Duke played Tyus Jones and Quinn Cook together basically playing Tyus Jones off the ball, but whenever he got the ball, he would just take over the offense and the offense would run through him as if he was the initial point guard. It was actually kind of fun to watch, and I could talk more about that, but that wouldn't be very entertaining or fun. Uh, But keep an eye on him because he's going to annoy you so much as the year goes on. But Duke had a a good performance. They've they've got a really good starting five. Uh, I'm not as sold on their bench. I mean, it, well, their bench is fine, actually. It's it's a good college bench. It, it's probably a little bit deeper, but not as talented as the UK 2012 national title bench. And that's why I don't think you have to have a. a I think having a, a solid bench can be overrated because you, you've seen so many teams win a national title with not not getting a lot out of their bench players. That Kentucky team 
played seven guys. Granted, the two bench players were really good players, but they played seven guys. So Duke's team, you don't have to have a deep bench. I don't think their bench is great, but it's not terrible. It won't be an issue for them. But they, they don't have Kentucky depth, but then again, who does? So Duke will be a good team. They'll be tough. It'll be it'll be an interesting, fun year of college basketball. And the ACC is going to be really fun to watch. With Louisville and with Duke and with UNC and, and Virginia. I, Syracuse is going to struggle a little bit this year. But those four teams are going to... I wouldn't be surprised to see any of those four teams play for a national championship, maybe even win a national championship. You wish you could just throw Kentucky in the mix with those ACC teams and have them play that schedule as well because it's, it's going to be a fun year there. Yates, do you think Duke did enough last night to be considered the, the favorite in the ACC? Uh, you know, we still have over a month before ACC play will start, but did you, you know, I know you're not going to lose any sleep over, over Duke because it's a basketball team and you shouldn't, but you're a little bit more concerned about those, that, that game or with Louisville's chances of winning the ACC after seeing what Duke did to Michigan State last night? Um, no, not really. I mean, I think everybody expected Duke to win pretty comfortably. Uh, Michigan State's not as as good as they, I guess, normally would be. So, I don't I mean, I, I'm not any more worried about them than I was before the game. Yeah, it's like yeah, I agree with you. And we talked about it on the show yesterday that we didn't think that the that Michigan State would be able to to win that game, and I, I thought they'd be able to hang around, and, and they kind of did. Again, the game was never really Duke was never in jeopardy of losing that game, but Michigan State did hang around. But it, more so, it just you got to see Duke's players. Their freshmen kind of shine on a national level. So it's understandable. Everybody's kind of obsessing over Julia Logafor. Again, I'm not, I'm, he was good, but, you know, we, we, we didn't see anything out of him that we didn't already know. He, he's a great post player, he's a great offensive player, and he's going to be able to score. None of that was a surprise. Again, for me, the surprise was just how Justice Winslow is kind of leaving his fingerprints on every aspect of the game. That's the thing I'm taking away from that. But I don't think if you thought Duke was going to win the ACC before the season, then you obviously have no reason to change that. If you didn't, then I don't think because they beat Michigan State, you should be scrambling and changing it. Just my opinion there. Duke's schedule from here on out, they'll have some other interesting games, but not until December when they will travel to Wisconsin, and that will be a very fun game to watch. We'll we'll learn more about Duke. We'll learn more about Wisconsin. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see Frank Kaminsky try to guard Julia Logafort. I don't think Kaminsky's a very good defender. Uh, but I, I think the rest of Wisconsin is. They'll play UConn on a neutral floor in, in late December. And besides that, that's pretty much it. 
and then it'll be ACC play, and, you know, they're going to have tough ACC games. They've got to travel to Louisville without having a return game there. So we'll learn more about Duke. Uh, again, that Wisconsin game will be a big one. The UConn game should be a game that they win. So we'll see. I, I don't think anybody should be fearing Duke any more or any less after what they did last night. It was a good win. You got to see some players do some good things. But it wasn't an unbelievable performance. It wasn't like Kentucky's win over Kansas, which taught us that Kentucky's going to be really, really good. And that Kansas, obviously, is going to have some some work to do as the season goes on. But a, a fun Champions Classic. Uh, that, that event is just a, a, a job well done. And... They're going to Kentucky, obviously, doing another event like that. And that one will be in Chicago. Kentucky will play UCLA, and then you'll have Ohio State, CBS Sports Classic. And then you'll have North Carolina play. Ohio State. I don't know if I've told you all this, but uh, supposedly the CBS Sports Classic wanted to get Indiana instead of Ohio State, but Indiana refused to do it because they didn't want to play Kentucky on a neutral site because that would be giving in to what John Calipari wanted. And obviously we all know the story of the Kentucky-Indiana neutral home-and-home, that whole soap opera. So Supposedly, they wanted Indiana. If they had Indiana in this event, I think it'd be a lot better. You really would have, debatably, the four best college basketball programs of all time. You could make a case for Kansas needing to be in there, and that you'd have a good argument. But UCLA, UK, North Carolina, Ohio State. Uh, but these events are really fun, and we'll have to see how this one is. That game, that those game, that game's going to be in Chicago, and North Carolina fans don't necessarily travel great. But you do have a lot of bandwagon North Carolina fans, so I'm sure they'll be represented. Kentucky fans obviously will travel. I don't know how many UCLA fans will be making the trip to Chicago. I'm sure UCLA, uh, plenty of UCLA alums live in Chicago because every alumni has a is represented in, in, in a big city like that. Uh, but I don't think you're going to see a ton of UCLA fans. Ohio State travels really well, but I don't. You know, I, I don't know how compelled they'll be to go to Chicago for uh, a basketball game, a, a noon basketball game against North Carolina. So I don't know if it'll – my point is I don't know if, if that event will have the same flair as the Champions Classic where you've got Michigan State, Kansas, Kentucky, and Duke, probably the four best traveling college basketball fan bases. They do it – they have the Champions Classic in a location that is drivable for – at least two of the four fan bases every year, I guess, with the exception of the North Car- or with the the Madison Square Garden New York trip trip the first year. But you know they they had it in Chicago last year, Michigan State, Kentucky, easy drive there. Kansas not terrible. Indy this year, they'll do it in Atlanta. That's easy for Duke and Kentucky fans. So. Not the same case for the CBS Sports Classic. I guess it is drivable for Kentucky and Ohio State, but 
not even close for UCLA or North Carolina. But these events are fun, and if you haven't been to one as a fan, you should go. You should make a, a point of going to the Champions Classic. They're going to be doing it for at least another two years. And then the CBS Sports Classic could be good. We'll have to, we'll have to see, though. Anyways, we're going to head to our last commercial break. When we come back, Ask Yates Wednesday, everybody's favorite part of the show. Um, we've got some good ones coming in. So if you have any more, tweet them, send them in, at Rivals. But stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. Back to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. We're back one final segment. Before we get into Ask Yates Wednesday, as people abbreviate A-Y-W, Clavy116 has a question uh, for the Sports Talker. It's nice to get a little appreciation here and there. Clevy116 says, looking at the SEC standing, it's a real possibility that the SEC could have 13 bowl-eligible teams with 10 bowl tie-ins plus the playoffs, so looking like 11 or 12 tie-ins. Hypothetical question, if all 13 teams became eligible, do you think UK gets left out or picked up by another bowl outside of SEC ties? That's a good question, and something that I hadn't, hadn't and haven't thought about But you're right. Uh, there is a, a scenario that Kentucky could, or the SEC could have 13 teams bowl eligible, meaning they win six games. If Kentucky can beat Louisville, I, I would think that there's a good chance that you do. You will have 13 SEC teams uh, bowl eligible. Here's here's the thing. It's would a bowl feel more compelled? Because you you would likely have a few teams a few six and six teams. Would it, would the bowl feel more compelled taking a Kentucky or would there be better fan bases that could travel better than Kentucky? Because they don't really care about the product on the field. For example, let's Kentucky isn't a great team. You know, I guess you can make a case that, Six and six teams in the SEC aren't great regardless, but Kentucky's not a great team. So the product on the field, you might be able to find another six and six team that would be better. But if you feel Kentucky's going to bring more fans, the bowl does not care about the product on the field. They care about who's going to come watch and buy tickets. So it'd be interesting. Kentucky travels well, but it depends where what bowl game it'd be. Again, if it was the one in Louisiana, I don't think Kentucky fans would would make the trip there. And I think the SEC, I think the Bull would rather have a a team closer, say in Arkansas. But if the Music City Bull had a choice between Kentucky and, say, 
South Carolina. I, I, I really genuinely believe that they would take Kentucky, just knowing Kentucky's been, been in the Music City Bowl a few times before and always brings a pretty good crowd. Where South Carolina, that wouldn't be a bowl game that they would be the least bit interested in attending. Yeah, they'd bring some fans. Nashville is a fun city. It's not too far away. But for them, that would be that wouldn't be exciting. That wouldn't be fun. For Kentucky, though, it's back in a bowl game. It's in a city close to you. So it depends on the bowl, Clay B116. And then, like you mentioned in your text to the show, there's always the chance that outside bowls with no SEC tie-ins could come and scoop up Kentucky. So that would be a, a possibility as well. If, if Kentucky gets six wins, they, they'll go to a bowl. Would be shocked if they didn't. Again, big if, though. Got to find a way to beat Louisville. All right, let's waste no time. Ask Gates Wednesday, and I'm, I'm seeing this unfold right before my eyes on my computer. So Rob Blackhawk tweets in wondering why Yates promised last week he was going to get a Twitter, and there was no Twitter, and then out of nowhere, Yates comes back with a tweet. Yates, you want to talk a little bit about that? I told you I'd have one by next Ask Yates Wednesday. And I and I, you, I signed up at the beginning of the show today. And, okay, that's that's good news. Uh, a few things, though. One, you're not... You're not following. You're not following me. I'm. I'm debating on who I want to bestow the honor of my first follow. Oh, that's a lot of pressure. So you're followed by Trevor, live sportscaster Rob, and, and me. Now you and the station. The station follows me as well. The station follows you. All right. Well, make sure everybody you go out and and follow DJ Yates twenty three if you're on Twitter. Don't don't tweet too much though, because we still have to make this Ask Yates Wednesday interesting. Because people are still just scratching the surface on getting to know you. The least don't out don't worry. I don't think me tweeting too much will be a problem. Okay, uh, you still have the egg as a picture, which is pretty funny. Don't change cha- leave that. You can't have a picture of your face again. There's got to be some mystery around. I, I'm I'm going to change it, but it won't be a picture of me. Oh no, it's not going to be like a Louisville picture, is it? It may be. Oh no! These are these are all things that I have have to ponder and and <laughs> and decide upon. All right, well, let's get into the Ask Yates Wednesday questions. This one coming from Clayby one sixteen, who always gets in on Ask Yates Wednesday. This is a good one. He says, "Ask Yates Wednesday, Yates, are you scared of Kentucky's basketball team?" Uh, no, I'm not scared of them. Uh, like I said earlier, it's obviously going to be uh, a a feat to to beat them, but I, you know, I don't know that we've seen enough of either one of these teams to say that one is clearly better than the other. So no, I, I'm not scared of them. I'll I'll follow up on that Ask H Wednesday question. Are you confident in believing Kentucky is a better team? Not that Louisville couldn't beat them, but do you do you feel that Kentucky is a better team than Louisville? I'll say that I I think that the talent level overall is probably better on Kentucky's team, um, and, and physically, I mean they're just so tall and so long that I mean that 
creates huge problems right there. So I'll, I'll go as far as to say that. I don't know that I'll say that they're a better team. But, yeah, I mean, they're probably a little more talented, and they're obviously a lot longer than Louisville. All right. This this one coming from Brun DMC. A-Y-W. LeBron recently said he won't let his kids play football. Is this a cop-out? What's your thoughts? Um, No, I mean, I don't. I don't know what it would be a cop out from. I think that with everything that we know now about the effects of football and the effects of concussions on your life after you play football, I think that's probably a pretty serious question that a lot of parents will ask themselves now. I don't think it's going to be as cut and dry as maybe it was 20 or 30 years ago that if you're a good athlete, that you're, you know, probably going to play football. I don't really know what it'd be a cop out for either, but it's it's interesting. I don't know. I think it's silly. Let your if they want to play football, you should let your kids play football. I guess it's easier said than done. I'm not a parent, and obviously more and more is coming out about football and just how dangerous and long lasting the effects can be. But I don't know. I I feel it's silly a little bit. Interesting kind of off-the-wall question from Brun DMC. All right, we've got this one coming in from the G-Chat. Yates, what would be your what would be your ideal date? <laughs> <laughs> well, go on. We've got two um, minutes. I'll say that my ideal date would probably be... <laughs> Uh, I, I'm a big music lover, so I'll, I'll say like dinner and a concert, something like that. Dinner and a concert, interesting, huh? I guess you don't really have to worry about dates anymore now that you're that you're married. I mean, we still go on dates. Yeah, but you don't really have to impress it. It, it you know, you don't really have to show your A-game anymore. Isn't that what marriage is all about? Uh, I mean, I guess. I, I like to think I still show my A-game. <laughs> all right. Uh, I don't know if there's any you gotta, other... You gotta, you gotta hang on to him, TJ. 50% of all marriages end in divorce. But I will... That, I, I mean, that's true. That's, that's a good point. But I hope... Well, I, you know what? I don't know. I hope marriages wouldn't be ending because the dates had gone sour. Uh, but anyway, that was a pretty good Ask Gates Wednesday. I don't know if we have anything. I wish Trevor would, would get in on the Ask Gates Wednesday questions because uh, I'm sure he, could, he Trevor, could ponder up some good ones. Trevor's mad because I won't let him ask me things on the show, on his show after this. So you don't get double Ask Gates Wednesday? No, because I, I, I believe in not stealing someone else's ideas. Well, so I, I won't. I won't let him steal your good idea of Ask Yates Wednesday. That's good because I know there's a huge market that listens to our show just for Ask Yates Wednesdays, and if you get all these other shows doing it, then you know what's the point of listening to my show on Wednesdays anymore? Uh, so I appreciate that. Have Trevor. You know he can participate in the show. He can get through on some of the questions. I know we we turned down a few people, but we don't turn down everybody. So a few questions don't make it past the censor, but I'm sure we can get Trevor's in. Anyways. Uh, 
tomorrow's show will be PT's Picks of the Week because I won't be here Friday. So you're going to want to definitely tune in for those. We're on a hot streak, and we're going to continue that heading into this weekend. Uh, we'll preview Louisville Notre Dame, make a prediction there. Talk some more basketball preview the weekend in basketball. So uh, join us tomorrow on a Thursday. It'll feel like a Friday edition of the Sports Soccer. Thanks for listening. We'll see you then. They say welcome to the 502. Take the Jordan boy, show him how Kentucky do. Oprah Freaks Classics, Pink Kentucky Blue. They say don't forget 27, don't be hitting two. Song call it blue, grass, song call it purple. I'ma call it home. Take a shot of chrome. Lay back in the lap.